it's almost like an education to some of the shareholders that we are not an ASX listed ASX listed company. People are like, oh, what's our current share price at? Where do I see it? So it's I'm not sure if you actually read all the information, but it's not like that. You know, where you've invested in the company, it's a longer term play. Welcome to Startup West, the podcast about building scalable startups in sunny Western Australia. My name's Charlie Gunningham. And I'm Carly Normand. And in this episode, we're talking with Mark Berryman, founder and CEO of RhinoHide. Hi, Mark, and welcome to Startup West. Hi, Charlie. How are you going? Thanks for having me. Good to see your smiley face as always. Can you tell us a little bit about RhinoHide, what it does and how it's going? Yeah, so Rhino Hide's uh, essentially like a vehicle armor. Imagine a phone cover for your car. Uh, right. So if you're in a full phone drive, cover for the car, like I think that's I a best analogy, right? <laughs> well, nice. no, 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 with our marketing, no, okay. we, we haven't done that. But I think to get the message across, a that's big probably the cover. best way to do it. Massive phone cover for your car. I mean, down the side of the car, right? Down the side of the car for yep. four-wheel drivers. Primarily for four-wheel drivers, we're looking to go into like a more on-road market for advertising that sort of thing. Uh, in and the you've near been future. doing it how long? Over oh, about five years now. So yeah. yeah so we're taking on off road four wheel driver is that part of what um I you saw the problem <laughs> cars getting scratched off road well yeah the, the problem actually happened because i borrowed my mum's car when i was 17 uh -oh. <laughs> like a green <laughs> Tell us what yes. happened uh he's with, going red listeners they can't see this <laughs> <laughs> we uh with some mates went up north to exmouth on like a surfing fishing trip and um of course you i remember my old man saying don't you dare take don't this thing off road yeah don't don't do it oh. of course the first track we saw we were like straight down looking for a surf spot and uh yeah, there was a, a big branch with a lot of leaves, looked okay, and I didn't see the big stick in it and literally just destroyed one side of my mum's car. Ouch. I spent probably a weekend trying to polish it out and it didn't didn't fix it. Um, my parents weren't very happy, but they were mm. even less happy a couple of years later when they traded that car in and the guy at the dealership specifically said, we could have given you a couple of grand more if it didn't have that big scratch down the side. We're going to have to obviously repair that, like paint it. Uh, so, yeah, that was another slap across the head. <laughs> um, so, so that these was life moments. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, was, I was 17 then. Um, and I came up with like a kind of a prototype, you know, didn't know anything about forming a business or anything like that. And mm. life got in the way, went to uni at Curtin, uh, did construction management and economics and went through like a, a commercial construction sort mm. of career path. And then I, I moved to London and I came back to uh, Perth and when I was just about to turn 30 and sort of thought, well, how come no one's done this yet? You know, I had that right. idea years and years ago, get together with my mates over some beers and yep. it always pop up every now and then like, what happened to that full drive protection you were talking about? Right. You know, it's not out there. And I thought, well, maybe I should give this a red hot crack. And uh, yeah, here we are. Quite, you make it sound like such a simple yeah, life path, happened. but I'm sure it's not, Mark. But since we've jumped all the way forward to it, how was it built initially? Did you start by self-funding? It sounds like there was sort of a prototype really early on. What was your pathway? Yeah, I think you can probably scrap the prototype I made when I was 17. Mm. <laughs> we didn't do anything like that. Mm. Uh, and I think also at the time, technology probably wasn't where it needed to be for us to be able to do it mm. effectively. Um, yeah, so uh, I think when I got back, I, I made some inquiries with some local uh, manufacturers to figure out how could I actually make this. Um, we had a few dead ends there uh, and ended up manufacturing in China where we still do. We're still with our first manufacturer that we ever went okay. to. Oh, wow. Got a great relationship there. It's fantastic. Uh, and, yeah, I self-funded it. So uh, I had a flat in London that I sold uh, and used that cash uh, rather than buying a place here. It all went into the business. Right. Um, initially, I'd earmarked, oh, here's, we'll put 50 grand into this. Yes. And as everyone <laughs> probably no. knows, that vanished very rapidly. Yeah. yeah. And got to a point like, holy cow, I'm out of money. Uh, we're at a pre-production prototype stage. I can't fund a production run 
but I think this idea is good. And, you know, we've, we've de-risked the product in that it works. Um, yeah. And that's where the Perth Angels stepped up to the plate and then the show. But shows. how did you validate the idea? <clears throat> yeah. You didn't just go ahead and start building prototypes. Presumably you'd idea some market research, test it out. Is there a market here? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the market research I was doing was the VFAX report, which is vehicle re, um, vehicle registrations across Australia. So okay. you, can, yep. you can see, like, oh, there's, there's a lot of cars that are uh, full drives um, being sold out there, and a lot of them obviously go off-road, and mm. all of them are getting scratched Do they, up. though? Most, I think, most well, people have SUVs. Point. Well, yeah. they got the kids from school in Dalkeith, don't they? Well, if they get Rhino Hyde, they can go off-road. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of people that are a bit afraid of actually scratching their new car. Ah, there you go. Nice. And so like we're, did we're now allowing them access to these beautiful parts of Australia that they True. can't get to normally. Because I did, I did hear that 10 years ago, now that you'll know these stats, but yeah. I think something like 8 or 12% of cars are SUVs, and now it's more than 50%. Oh, it's phenomenal. It's, yeah, yeah. It's huge. Trend. You were right there yeah. as this trend mm. was taken off. Yeah, absolutely. And certainly in the US is leading the way in that like in terms of the SUV and pickup truck that has become the bulk of their market. But how did you know that going off-road and getting scratched down the side panel was a problem apart from your 17-year-old experience? <laughs> well, how I did think, you know that there was a market for that? Mm. I think, honestly, from the lambasting I got from my parents at 17, I right. thought this is a pretty big problem. It obviously made an impact on me. <laughs> <laughs> Deep emotional scarring. <laughs> and was there anything else in the in the space at all yeah. in terms of is this a completely new idea? Was it something that you'd seen but been unimpressed with in the market you thought you could improve on? Um, there was a, a film by 3M. It's still out there, but it's very expensive. It's sort of like six or seven thousand dollars to coat your car in it, um, oh, and wow. it doesn't really have the impact protection of us because it just mm. relies on purely the vehicle surface. It's just like a mm. like, you know, like, like a, a contact essentially. You know, you cover your books in contact, so it stops against some minor scratching, but won't yeah. have the actual like physical impact protection that we have. So, uh, yeah, there was nothing really out there that was similar. Um, and there's all different types and shapes of cars. Mm. So how could you have one product fits all or did you not? Yeah. We don't. No, we don't. And that's, yeah, I'd say that's probably a, a problem with scaling up, certainly from a cash flow perspective, is that we need to create tooling for every individual model. So we get mm. a lot of inquiry from people saying, oh, why don't you have the D-Max? Why don't you have this? Why don't you have that? All said and done, by the time we tool up for that model, do the R&D and do a production mm. run, there's not much change out of $100,000, you know, so. So you do have to be very common. Slow. Ford Explorers and what what what, what do you, you know? I don't know. Ford Explorer doesn't I'm exist not, anymore. I mate. don't I know. Don't, don't drive an SUV. <laughs> so, so that's a no, not well, the not Ford Explorer. Anyways, yeah, I think they are in the US still. Um, okay. Yeah, so we were looking. Look, initially, uh, I did the FJ Cruiser, which is probably not the smartest move. Uh, um, I got a one specific car. That one exactly. Yeah, yeah, and they didn't sell in big volume in Australia. Did you have one? I had one. Yeah, ah. um, recently sold it. <laughs> unfortunately, I love that car. So your market research is yourself. Very you kind, right? kind of, kind a little kind of. bit, kind of. Uh, no, I, I, look, I did no. speak to other people that were four drive enthusiasts, and they're always like, "Oh, wow, that's a fantastic idea." I think what happens with the product, it's so easy to understand. You show it to someone, and they're like. Oh, I get it. The penny just drops. Yes. Like, oh, that's a great idea. Um, True. You know what I mean? And validated by sharks that have jumped on board with it. So we'll get it's to a that. simple but effective idea. Sure. Um, and I think at the end of the day, you know, I was fairly passionate about it. And, but and you have to build, sure. forgive my ignorance because I'm completely no, no, ignorant. Sorry, okay. Roll your heads and take the piss. Go for it. I don't know this market very well. I don't take cars off road. Right? <laughs> I got a road. I drive down the road. Yeah. Um, or I walk. Or bike, you know, gotcha. don't go off road. <laughs> gotcha. So, do you have to go and build a different Rhino hide for every different type of car? Yes. So, how many different types do you have? I think we're up to about fourteen now. Right. Okay. okay. So yeah, it's it's pretty serious. Uh, 
The, the, the good thing is, though, we cover the steel panels of cars. And for the exact same reason that we have huge tooling costs, car manufacturers don't change the steel panels often. Mm-hmm. They will do like an eight to 10-year cycle. So I always take that into consideration with what vehicles we do. If there's right. a car that's mm. been on the market for maybe seven or eight years with that particular iteration and model shape, yeah. I'm unlikely to do it because we've probably got two years it's left the in out. the new vehicle. It's on the way out. Mm. Wait for the new one. For example, the D-Max has just released their, their new model. I think it's releasing in a month or so. Mm-hmm. That would be one we'd be likely to do because it's a popular vehicle, but it's just had its brand new tooling done. Right. So we've got then like an eight to 10-year life cycle there because I think the value of our product is when the car's new in the first sort of 12 to 12 months to two years of owning the vehicle. So you are quite strategic then in what areas of that market yep. you're targeting as well to get, I guess, the most out of your money yeah, from absolutely. production sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Have to be. Did you know much about the automotive sort of side of things? You're talking here about eight to 10 year cycles and things like that. Had you worked in the automotive industry prior to this? No, or no. Do you have anyone I'm on your team? A commercial construction background. So, uh, oh. I, you know, I liked cars and full driving yeah. and stuff like that, um, just as a general enthusiast, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, this is all stuff I've learned over time. I think a lot of people often end up developing something out of their passion. Mm-hmm. Just talking previously, yeah, yeah. our previous podcast, Solving just running through problem. how that as well. Absolutely. Mm. So you mentioned previously Shark Tank, very famous appearance on the show as well. You not only went on, you also won a deal. Talk us through this experience. We see them on TV, but not that many people actually win money, not just from one, but two sharks. Correct. And some even that do a deal like Space to Co, but then True. it doesn't actually happen. True. But yours did, did complete. Happen. Did happen. You yeah. still have a shark on your board. Yes, correct. So correct. I'd say that's a good outcome. Oh, definitely. Yes. You're still smiling, so it's positive, right? It was the best outcome I could have had. They, they came on board with exactly what I was asking for. There was like a bit of a negotiation, but in the end, I actually had three sharks all wanting in on the deal at exactly what I'd asked for. And what were you raising? Yeah. Uh, the valuation was 800000 and yep. I was looking to sell 10%. Uh, I ended up taking on two sharks and offloaded 20%. So you got two sharks for 80? 80, 80. 160. Ah, two lots. 10%. Yeah, 160, oh. so te- you're right. Yeah. So you sold 20% of the company. We did, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, so okay. I sold it out. So, uh, but that'd been fantastic. I think that's been mm. a great move so for the who business. who are the two? Uh, Andrew Banks yep. and Glenn Richards. And Glenn Richards is sitting on our board. Right. And that was five years ago? Yeah, I mean, roughly five 2015, years. Yeah. 2015, yeah. We and did you did a deal with Perth Angels just before that, I think. One week before. So we had the Angels on the hook <laughs> one week before and then went into the shark tank. And that was actually really, really good in the tank because the sharks had, you know, they said we're interested Um the percentage, I think the initial one was Steve Baxter came in with 30% of the business for the 80K. And oh, yeah, my goodness. Uh, it's, it's, pretty, it's, it's a deep, deep dig, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I sort of got to a point where I said to him, guys, I actually can't do this because I one week ago have raised capital. I can't dilute them at a lower – I can't mm. give you a, a better deal than them. Mm. So that was a real line in the sand. Nice. And they, I think they sort of realised, yeah. oh, shit, we can't – we can't bargain here. I was like, I'd love to do a deal with you, but it has to be at this level, Great. or at least on par with the investment that happened a week earlier. Yes. Oh, um, nice. And I think also by having the Perth Angels on board, that's de-risking it anyways. Mm-hmm. Suddenly there's a bit more cash in the good business. Good for the Angels, good thought, for the Sharks. Correct. True. And certainly the publicity was great. I mean, we're five years down the track and people still bring it up. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And just, so you got them at the same valuation that the Angels got? They were $50,000 more. Right. I think. Yeah. And can you say how much you raised from the Angels? Uh, I think we did a hundred. Sorry, three hundred and 
360. Oh, well, quite a significant oh, race. No, sorry, sorry. Excuse me. That was Sharks and Angels combined with 360. Right. Yeah, okay. so it was one, 150 from the Angels, right. 160 from the Sharks. That's yeah. still because you were only founded in, was it 2014? Well, that was when I registered the company, yeah. I think, yeah, 2014, 2015. Yeah, so it was basically that 2015 year was uh, spent working on the prototypes, trying to develop the product. I mean, at the time I had a full-time job and everything. Uh, mm. um, and then, yeah, basically. <laughs> and you out, had one type funding, of rhino hide at that time or couple or? At that time we'd done uh, tooling locally in Perth for the 200 series Land Cruiser and that all went south. Um, the local manufacturer was terrible and uh, lots of issues there. Right. Mm. So I ended up. Pulling the pin there, uh, putting a buy request on Alibaba and mm-hmm. flying to China and meeting with the manufacturers. Oh so at the wow. time when I was approaching the Angels for investment, I had the FJ Cruiser molds all done yeah. and a like production ready prototype with, that we'd tested. Mm-hmm. So we were sort of good to go into production. Um, but that's where we're at. We had, I think, three sales when I went on the Shark Tank. And wow. I don't know if maybe that's that good. helped in the Shark Tank because it was, we, we were doing a sensible valuation on where we yeah. were. Yes. I mean, a lot of people go on that show with the blue sky, yes. but they're valuing it the blue sky. Yes. Yeah. I'm saying, hey, there is blue sky here, but I'm valuing it at where we are at right now. And a valuation yeah. from last week, which Correct. is real. Correct. With real money. Which right. helps. So yeah. you've verified in every way. You've got mm-hmm. paying customers who are willing to pay for the product. You've got somebody else who's agreed to pay for the money. In. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. Helps. But, helps. Uh, yeah, but, but market validation is market validation. Mm. And yeah. it always starts with one. It'll always be three at some point. It's about where it's going that's really yeah, important correct. as well. That's absolutely fantastic. So, so talk us through some of the challenges that you've had for the business then. Uh, flying to <laughs> China, manufacturing, manufacturing notoriously difficult. Yeah, mm. definitely. Um, I think the uh, <laughs> the manufacturing lesson I had here was we were using an MDF tool, which is not that stable really, uh, and we were also using an ABS plastic. I was relying heavily on the manufacturer for, for advice. Uh, we used an ABS plastic that wasn't thermally stabilised or UV stabilised, and so we tested it out in the vehicle. It seemed to be working okay in like 23-degree heat, and then at 33-degree heat, it had all warped and changed shape, and you couldn't open the doors, and the response excuse me, from them was, yeah, R&D is expensive. Nice. And I'm like, well, yeah. thanks. Don't you think I might need a thermally stabilised plastic? You know, I'm relying yeah. on you guys. So it's just not a great experience. I won't mention their name, but mm. that's what in the end was a godsend because it drove me offshore to China. We ended up um, meeting with our manufacturers who have been fantastic ever since. And it's almost mm. like a family relationship now. Um, when I go there, I'm at the family house for dinner. That's great. I think that's something that's really critical Mm. with people looking to manufacture out of China is to understand that business is second, the relationship is first. Build a relationship. Yep. Relationship is first, definitely. I absolutely stumbled into it. I didn't know anything about doing business in China. Mm. (laughs) It's a funny story. I did the buy request for, you know, Thermoform Plastics Manufacturer that can speak English. I got one response. I was like, well, I've got to go over there. That was them? That was them. That was them. The only response, I don't know that. Next thing you're having dinner with the family. (laughs) <laughs> Basic, well, not, not, not that simple, That's but yeah, great. kind of. Well, I decided I'm going to fly to China and see these guys. My old man had just recently retired. He's like, well, I've never been to China. I'll come with you. Why not? Fantastic. So he flew Love in. That. We arrived not knowing. That and you're finally fixing the problem from when you were 17, son. Correct. Which is good. Yeah, I exactly. like it. It sort of comes around. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I paid for a slide. He's taking you by the ear. To yeah. China. Let's fix yeah. this. Let's fix this. <laughs> but what I didn't realize was 
the amount of respect it showed to bring my father into yes. a business deal oh. and dealing with yes. family business with a father and his kids in, in it. Asian culture. Correct. Yes. It was like a huge sign of like respect and my father's yes. here doing business with me. Best thing you could have done. All by mistake. I found this out from my manufacturers later. Mm. They told me like, oh, having your father here was like pretty a big deal for us. I was like, oh, okay, stumbled into that Fantastic. one. Fantastic. And I'm fairly social, so is my old man. So we're like having lunch with these guys and I know what we were eating, but it was quite exotic. And um, <laughs> the Chinese food is definitely different in China to it is here. Mm-hmm. And uh, So was that Beijing or was No, it was, was in Dongguan. Right, ah. okay. Yeah, and so I flew into Guangzhou and then it's about an hour and a half south. I've been back and forth to China heaps. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm up for it. Yeah, why not? And so they're now producing 14 different types of Rhino high panels Yeah, I think we've got about you. 14 different molds. Uh, we're not producing everything. There's a couple of lines that are, were not great sellers. And that can you of, share how many are on cars right now driving mm. around? Uh, well, <laughs> I'd say about 1,500. Wow. wow. Like okay. So at the start of this year, we broke a million dollars worth of uh, cumulative sales. So right. it was pretty good. Very good. And, and what does each pack retail for? Uh, it's varied over time. Uh, currently, it's fifteen hundred dollars a unit. So we brought right. our pricing down for the for the base. So kit. way cheaper than trying to fix a massive dent in the car. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you get a dent or a scratch on your car. So you carry it around the bag in the back, and then when you want to go off road, you snap it on, and you're good to go. Is that that's that's the idea at present, and that's how the system has been. And then we identified mm-hmm. that a lot of our customers were not happy with having to wait until they're at the track to put it on. Um, so we've recently, I mean, COVID, I think we'll look back on it as a tiny blessing in some respects, mm. you know, no disrespect to anyone that's affected by it, but mm. it gave us some pause to really reconsider what we're doing with the business. And through that time, we've redeveloped a new system, which we're sort of calling Armalock, um, codename Armalock. Armalock. Armalock, the Armalock system, which mm-hmm. uh, doesn't use magnets anymore. And wow. it's a more permanent fixture on the vehicle. So we're saying it's now highway rated and you can keep it on your vehicle for a Just- lot longer. That's a fantastic idea. Well, that's to stop the sort of dinks and scratches and someone mm. banging their yeah, door car on a car and park. And yep. Yeah, okay. That's probably the biggest comment at trade shows from people is, I need this for the Coles supermarket car park, you know. So that's a more permanent, the armor lock is a more permanent Correct. cover. Yes. Cheaper one? Uh, it'll be the same price. Same price. But there's mm. added benefit, so it's going to be a thicker panel. Um, the system's really robust. It's pretty and cool. is that also good to go it. off-road in? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's even uh, better. So everything right. about it is better. Uh, uh-huh. And the other the other thing there is it opens up a new channel to market for removable uh, advertising on your vehicle. So we can custom wrap the, the Rhino Hyde panels so that if you're a plumber or something, you can have your business name all over it through the week and then take uh-huh. it off on the weekend without having to permanently wrap your vehicle. You should go and do a deal with the ads on wheels, guys, right? Yeah. yeah. Who are going through the Plus 8 Accelerator, plus eight accelerator right now. Right now. They're, selling a chat to them. they're advertising... They're selling advertising on cars. They absolutely are. They I would like to talk to them. There yeah, we definitely. go. Let's hook it, it up. Hey. If this is a magical <laughs> connection that's made at the Startup West podcast. That's it. This is it. So you've run us through how a life-changing event at 17 put you on this path. But if we were to go back through your schooling, what were your favorite topics? Was there anything that sort of hinted at an entrepreneurial pathway for you? Yeah, I think I've always enjoyed problem solving. Um Right. any tasks so i think that's what led me into that commercial construction path uh at school i like physics because it's just how things work how things are built and made and exactly right. yeah yeah yeah. how things really work um and then yeah i went to Curtin uni did construction management and economics uh got in the construction industry i was working originally with uh, mervac uh and then at 24 i moved to london 
Um, right, I nice. Thought, yeah, it was good. Yeah, you're, you're neck of the woods. You're my neck of the woods. I went I'm actually a Brit. I stayed there that long. I naturalized, so I got uh, dual, dual citizenship. Yeah. I was there almost seven years. Oh, well done, yeah. mate. Yeah, All right. that's it. <laughs> nice one. Stroll on. That's it. Londoner. London. Uh, yeah, so I was, I was there. I formed a business there uh, called Base with a, a partner um, from who, who Scottish that I'd worked with in Perth. He immigrated over to the UK, well, back home, I suppose. Right. And, uh, yeah, we had a, a consultancy there doing project management and quantity surveying, um, hmm. primarily working at Canary Wharf for Canary Wharf contractors. And we were there. We had a couple of guys working for us as well. Uh, and that was, that was a great little business. So what was that post-GFC? When was that? I was a pre-GFC. Right. That was interesting, man. I was I was yeah. at the Slug and Lettuce, which I'm sure you know well, the chain of pubs, watching everyone pile out of Lehman's, drinking uh, a pint, going, what's going on? Wow. And actually the project we were on prior to that uh, was the Best Earns New European head office. And Best Earns Bank was the first one to go to, wow. to fall over. So we were we just procured their whole new head office for Europe <sighs> and then they went under. And then so J.P. Morgan took over the asset six months later and then it was a change to a J.P. Morgan uh, spec building. But I remember going into the Lehman's building. uh, Sorry, J.P. Morgan took over the Best Earns asset and turned it into like a a standard Cat A office Mm -hmm. and then we took over the Lehman's building with J.P. Morgan. So I was in, um, you know, Big Swing and Dick's office. Wow. Which was amazing, you know. These are all like the big players. Oh, in the heart right of the, at the yeah, heart, heart of, of, heart of the world is changing. What's yeah, happening? What is going on? But and your I, business continued, okay? Yeah, our business continued. Oh, look, there's a really good lesson there for not spending too much of your business's money. We built up a big coffer. You know, we didn't want to right. take mm. more money ourselves uh, just to pay more tax. So we uh, had a bit of a buffer there. I think I was actually out of contract for five months, hmm. but we'd built up you know enough yeah, reserves yeah. to to survive. Um, and yeah, it bounced back slowly. But I think it was really interesting when I moved home. Everyone here was so naive to the effects of like a GFC. Australia weathered that storm pretty well. But my, I th- what I thought was scary was how everyone just thought it can't happen. Mm-hmm. And then look at the times we're in right now. Like now you're starting to see yeah. what happens. And, and then um, came back to Perth? Came back to Perth, yeah. So why the move back to Perth? Oh, I only initially intended to go to London for a year. So, uh, <laughs> so oh, I just want to. Yeah, and then come you built a successful business. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't the plan. Well, I mean, it was it was great. Yeah, it was good fun there. Uh, I, I enjoyed it, but yeah, it was time to come home. I wanted to sort of settle down. Sort Married, of kids, yeah, all that stuff. Married, had kids, all that sort of thing. Yeah, back here um, doing commercial construction again, and then the Rhino Hide idea came up. Rhino Hide happened first, so. Uh, As I said, we had some reserves in the business when we wound it down. There was some cash reserves there. So I, I think I spent probably the first nine months or so just chilling out and <laughs> getting used to being home again. And, and that's when I was working on Rhino Hyde as like a side project. Right. And then, you know, those funds dried up and had to go and actually went back to work for me back on the old treasury building here, the new state law courts. Uh, so I was a senior project engineer there. And I know you come back and speak as a keynote at Curtin Ignition. Did you go yep. through Ignition as well as a, as a student? Yes, I did. As that well? That was in 2015. As the business was beginning. In its infancy, yeah. Uh-huh. So I had the product and mm. I had like a solution to a problem, but I had no idea how to get it into the market and certainly no idea how to raise capital. And I was at a point where I was like, I'm out of capital myself. Perfect for Ignition. Yeah, it's a great. Oh, mate, Ignition was such a ramp up into that space. Mm. So I did Ignition. That was fantastic. And I think probably Perth soon Angels. within a month, it was Perth Angels, Shark, Shark Tank, Tank, everything. Here we go. Wow, you have the dream, yeah, the dream run. Yeah, touch wood, it's been, it's been good. <laughs> so you come into already doing Rhino Hive with some business experience yep. from running your own business. Yep. Obviously a bit of a whirlwind tour of the Perth mm-hmm. startup and fundraising scene as well. Yep. 
Going forward with that, though, it's a lot of success really early. Did you have a lot of mentors or advisors that you leveraged as well? Is there anyone that you still lean on as the business grows and changes? Um, I think you know, early days, my old business partner and I were pretty savvy and in touch with each other um, to bounce ideas off each other. But certainly now, like, you know, Glenn Richards is on the board. We, we chat at least monthly. He's always there. Um, some some other early angel investors, uh, Graham Griffiths, Griffiths was fantastic. Mm. He's unfortunately passed, passed away, away, but he sadly. was a huge, mm. huge guy in Perth in the, in this community. It was very sad. Um, and John Baxter is another one of my sort of mentors, angel investors. I'm actually catching up with him tonight for some beers to give him a bit of an Good. update. So, and yeah, and Rod Houston's sort of coming on board now too. Yes, Again, he was an early investor and now he's going to get involved with the business. So there's quite a few people that I lean on and, and chat to that and, have And the great. total amount you've raised is to date is now up to about two million. Yeah, I think just slightly over, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, several different raises, mm. but yeah, it's been... It's been so interesting. raising money has not been an issue or it's been a huge oh, effort? I would never, <laughs> never say not an issue. No? Yeah, it sounds easy, right? But right. Oh, it's definitely an effort. Yeah, that's not something that I take lightly. And you raised it out of Perth? Uh, several. We've actually gone several states. Initially, yeah, the Perth Angels Perth. Angels? Perth. Uh, we've also uh, leaned on the Brisbane Angels, Melbourne Angels, uh, the Sharks, and then we did equity. Uh, the equity crowd raising was our latest one with Equitise. Oh, oh, right, that's yeah. right, of course. Yeah. And yeah. got a gazillion different shareholders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a lot. What's that's, that like? Yeah. Uh, I, I think at first it's almost like an education to some of the shareholders that we are not an mm. ASX-listed ASX mm. listed company. People are like, oh, what's our current share price at? Where do I see it? So it's, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you it's actually not, read all the yeah. information, but it's not like that. You know, where you, you've invested in the company, it's a longer term play. Yeah. And obviously, we're adding value. Um, and we've got some very interesting deals that are so close that I'd like to talk to you guys about, but I just mm. can't because of NDAs. But um, there's a large. Okay. Don't say all right. That's something That's all right. When we'll, it happens, we'll write about it on Startup News. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. I'll hold it. you to that. <laughs> but we'll steer you away from that dangerous path with one more quick one. What do you know now that you wish you'd known at the start? Ooh, that's a good question. I think it's very hard to. I think if I knew everything I knew now, maybe I wouldn't have started. Uh, <laughs> I think all, there's probably some advantage in the naivety. They know? all say that. I mean, everyone says that, isn't it? <laughs> but no, not one thing. Uh, you thought, oh, I wish I'd known this at the start. I wish, I, I wish I knew a bit more about manufacturing. Yeah. I mean, that was fairly new to me. Mm. I think a key thing coming from a project management background is I'm, I'm very used to handing over the project or the works to be done to someone who's very good at it and not, don't get too personally involved with that process. Mm-hmm. I would rather engage someone who knows what they're doing than try to learn how to do it myself. But that's like that right. project management ethos coming through. So I think that was an advantage. Um, I think going into a business, if you do have a project management set of skills, is definitely an advantage. Right. Because that's really what you're doing, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Okay. We're going to finish with a rapid quick fire round. So okay. whatever comes into your head, just go boop. Callie, you want to stop? Absolutely. What's the single most important factor that makes a successful startup? I think persistence. Mm. That's a good one. Founder as a solo or as a team? I, I did do this one solo, but much better as a team. Right. Mm. Yes. Who should we interview next? Oh, can I come back to that one? Yeah. Yes. Think about that one. <laughs> uh, AI, like it or loathe it? Nervous about it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think we need to be putting some controls in place because once that horse is bolted, it there's is, no putting it back in it the It is out of that stable, isn't <laughs> Absolutely. it? Yeah. If you were at a bar, what would you be ordering? Uh, just a beer, a pint of beer. 
What does self-care look like for you, apart from drinking beer? Yeah, <laughs> we've got that. Uh, self-care, yeah, yeah, excuse the dad bod. Um, uh, <laughs> I've recently started cycling to work again and uh, I, I think, yeah it's, yeah, it's important to get your exercise Are you a middle-aged man in Lycra? No, 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 and I never will be. No, <laughs> like no shorts and a t-shirt. Nah. That's it. I don't care if there's more wind resistance. <laughs> and what are you reading or listening to? Favorite podcasts apart from this one, obviously. Yeah, this one, obviously. Yeah, um, I, I love the JRE podcast. I think a lot of people do. Um, the which podcast? The Joe Rogan Experience. Joe Rogan. Uh, yeah. He's the yeah, biggest one in the he's world. Great. Yeah, sure. it's unreal. So I do the guests there are fantastic. That's not as business related, but I think it's cool. Um, uh, reading uh, Influence by, is it Michael Chiardini? I think it is. Okay. Excellent okay. book. That was a Glenn Richards recommendation. So mm. that's one of, uh, I'm actually going through it for a second time on the audiobook. Okay. It's all about marketing and strategy and psychology and how to position yourself Influence. there. Influence. Influence. Yeah, actually, let me pull it up. We'll see exactly what it is. Or you can go to the next question if you like while I pull this up. No, that's, no, that's really Robert it. B. Chialdini. Okay. Influence. Okay. It's excellent. Influence. Yep. I always love a recommendation from people who know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. I'm going to look that up. So thanks so much, Mark. And we'd like to wish you and your team all the best of the future. We really appreciate you making the time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And thanks to our sponsors. Startup West is produced by Startup News and made possible by support from Space Cube. Thanks, Carly. New Industries Fund, Curtin University, where you went. Uh, Mark, the City of Perth and also RSM. Without them, we couldn't do this. So thanks, guys. We recorded this podcast at Riff Podcast Studios in beautiful downtown Perth, Western Australia. And don't forget to subscribe to Startup West on your favourite podcast platform so our latest episodes will wing their way automatically to your device. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. Now here's a review from Darren Dyer from FridgePot. Um, he wrote this on uh, Apple Podcast. He went, wow, all in capitals. This is an awesome resource. I love hearing the war stories. Got some war stories today. And the takeaway from me is a bit of practical advice and mentoring for free. Thanks so much for sharing. Well, thanks, Darren, for leaving the five-star review. So everyone go and do that, please. And thanks, Mark. Thanks, guys. Oh, I need to do a blatant plug, rhinohide.com.au. Plugged away. <laughs> Plugged away, successful. Successful.